Good morning, church. How many enjoy campfires? <laughs> That's what we're, we're pumping the fresh campfire smell in this morning. Um, yeah, there's, fire, there's two fires in the area. Uh, we watched the one at Minicotta. I can see it from my front yard, and so there's a fire. There, I'm not sure if it's under control where it's at, but there was a fire at Minicotta yesterday, but there was also one elsewhere in the area. So that's the aroma we've got going on, and we just pray that they cease the destruction in the area. Um, and we pray for protection and safety over the people that are fighting the fires on our behalf. <laughs> All right, yes, we're talking about faith in action today. We're continuing our series on rediscovering church, and I uh, get the opportunity to talk about faith in action. Pastor Joel is away in New York today, so we just bless him as he spends some time with his family, and uh, he'll be back next week, which is Thanksgiving Sunday. Um, so we're, I can't ha how many are having a hard time believing it's October? <laughs> yes, as you're in your shorts and short shirts and it's quite warm in here today, how is it October? How is it Thanksgiving next weekend? I just, I have lost all track of time. So um, next Sunday is Thanksgiving Sunday and next weekend is Thanksgiving weekend. So we're talking about faith in action today. A number of years ago, I heard this sermon illustration and um, I'm pretty sure the pastor had found it just on a, a sermon story archive online because um, back in the day, about 20, 30, 25 to 30 years ago, um, they would use a lot of just jokes or stories that were in books or as the internet took place, there were um, these like sermon illustration things that you could go to and look for exact sermon illustrations on generosity or whatever. And so if you were at various churches, you might hear the same story because that's what we did. That's what they did. That's what we did. And so at that time, my pastor shared this story about this pastor who got up on Sunday morning and he, he came and he, he put his Bible down and he put his notes down and he said, the word of the Lord today, love one another as I have loved you, love one another. And he packed up his Bible and took his notes and he went back down and sat down. Congregation just kind of sat there for a little bit and then went, I guess we're done and left. Next week rolls around and the pastor comes up and says, church, the word of the Lord today, let us love one another as I have loved you, let us love one another. Went down and sat, a little bit shorter goes on and then they leave. Third week rolls around and he does the same thing and people started turning to one another, started having conversation and praying for one another and just that was what the gathering was and it just shifted something at the church. So I heard that sermon illustration and I was talking about it in a group full of pastors one time and I said, you know, we were talking about courage and what, what, what messages we'd preached or been part of or been at that had required courage on, on the part of the person speaking. And I said, well, I've heard this illustration. I haven't heard it like done in person. And so I, I said the illustration and this person said, oh, I've done that. And it was literally three or four weeks before people turned towards one another and learned each other's names and prayed for one another. 
and connected. We're not doing that today. All the introverts said, amen. (laughs) But we are talking about faith in action. We're talking about connection and community. Our main point today is that part of rediscovering church is appreciating that our faith is evidenced by action towards the people in these walls and outside of these walls. Part of rediscovering church is appreciating that our faith is evidenced by action towards the community inside these walls and outside these walls. This might be a bit of a soapbox. Soapbox is a a metaphor of importance. You might hear me talking about this a lot. And I was praying about it this week, and when Pastor Joel asked about me preaching this week and and kind of directed an idea, floated an idea, he didn't tell me what to say, but he said, you know, you could take it in this direction, and I immediately was like, yes. And then as I'm sitting with it this week, I'm like, I talk about this a lot. People are going to think the only thing I know how to talk about is Being in community and the cost and the authenticity and the need and the requirement. And I felt like God said to me as I was on a walk one day this week, important things are worth saying twice or three times or four times. So it might be a bit repetitive. You might be thinking, oh, I've heard you say this before. Do you have other topics? I do. (laughs) But this is a really important point of Northside Church and developing community and connection inside these walls and outside these walls. So the invitation today is to consider community both inside and then outside. What is your heart posture towards the community around us, your coworkers, the people that serve at restaurants? What is your posture towards the world around us? And then also the connection and community that is here. We're going to be in James a lot today, and uh, (laughs) I like James. James is like black and white and really fiery. And James as a book and as a a, a contributor to scripture has been one of the more um, controversial letters of the New Testament just because it's so bold. And then when you highlight it and consider it, I just want to take breath because James is a fiery message that at times in church history has been uh, too harsh and led to the need for works to evidence faith. And I don't want to go there today. I don't want to end up there today. But I just, I want us to remember that, and maybe this isn't a remembering thing, maybe this is a new thing for you, but James, the author of this book, was a brother of Jesus, half-brother of Jesus, And his message in the book of James bears striking resemblance to the words of Jesus. We're going to see that today. But in James chapter 2, starting in verse 14, I want to talk about action as the fruit of our faith in God. James chapter 2, starting in verse 14, says this, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? I just want to read that one again before I move on. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, 
but don't show it by your actions. Can that kind of faith save anyone? Going on in verse 18. Now someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? But just pause for a moment. Can anyone appreciate why this might be a spicy, (laughs) why James might be a little bit of a fiery individual? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened, just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Action, good deeds, is the fruit of our faith. It's the fruit of our faith. We come to faith by grace alone. Our actions earn us none of the salvation peace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, by grace, you have been saved through faith. James is not saying, by works, you are saved. By grace, you are saved through faith. What James is saying is that our faith in God should bear fruit. And that fruit is connection and community and care and love and kindness and joy and peace. Jesus' own words, ProPresenter Tech, they're not there. And these are not online in your notes. It's just one of those freebies, pay attention. In Matthew chapter seven, Jesus says, anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise. And he talks about building a house on sand or building it on firm foundation. And the person who hears the words of Jesus and puts them into action is like someone who builds on the rock. And when trials come, which they will, the firm foundation holds. That's Jesus' teaching. Fast forward, James is like, your faith needs to show something. There needs to be some action. You say you have faith. I'll show you my faith by how I live. What does your life say? If people around you looked at your life and how you interact with the people at Walmart or Starbucks or your neighbors or the People that keep putting garbage in the parking lot. It's my like, biggest test these days is praying for the people that put garbage in our parking lot. 
which happens quite a lot. So there's this fine line between do we close the gates and not let people use the parking lot, or do we just pick up the garbage and Jen just be quiet and pray? So most of the times I get to having a good attitude, but some of the times when I'm picking up diapers, <laughs> Pray for the people. If people looked at your life, would they know you have faith in God? If people looked at your life, how you spend your time, how you spend your money, how you spend your words, how you spend your fear, how you spend your anxiety, if people looked at your life, what would they see? Faith in action is the fruit of our faith, of our life in Christ. And that action, we sometimes think by good deeds, it, it's, it's money or it's, it's giving something. And it can be, and it is. Generosity and giving are part of good deeds. But if we don't have the resources to give, you don't have the resources to lend, to be monetarily generous. That doesn't excuse us from a life of inaction. Our faith in action is time. And time is one of the most precious commodities these days. Our faith in action costs energy. It costs time of connection, of reaching out, of going for coffee, of inviting people over. It costs time and energy to meet new people. I've had two opportunities just this past week to spend time with people that I hadn't spent time with before. And it costs, it costs energy to learn new people. It costs time and effort to drive to Vancouver. But the rich privilege of growing in connection in community is a price I'm willing to pay. Are you willing to pay that cost to learn something new, to learn someone new, to offer hospitality? How is your faith expressed in action how is your love of God expressed in action inside the church and in the community? The second point today is that action is practical and present. Action is practical and present. Scripture in James 2, verses 15 through 17, so if you're following along, you know we did 2, 14, and then 18 to 24. So 15 to 17 says this, suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, and have a good day, stay warm, and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing, what good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. He doesn't mince words. Say, if you see a need and you're just like, goodbye, have a good day, I hope you're full. 
see someone in anxiety or in pain or just struggling and you're like, have a good day. Hope you're well. Suppose you see a sister or brother in need and you have the presence in that need, even if you don't have extra food or extra money or extra time, do you have the presence in that moment to offer a word of encouragement? And I know that doesn't fill a belly. I know that. But action is practical and it's present. And if you don't have the means, you do have the presence. And you can be along for the ride of someone's life and say, I'm here with you. I don't, I don't have what you need, but I'm here with you. Let's pray. Let's look for opportunities. Let's look for ideas. Let's see where we can find some food or clothing if that's the need. It's practical. What do you have? What do you have? What gifts and skills and abilities and passions and interests and ideas? What languages do you speak that I don't? <laughs> Which is anything but English? You're good. Those things are practical. Offering practical. And we can't do everything. We all have different resources, different abilities. We can all pray. And we can all pray about being the answer to our prayers. So as I'm praying, is there something I can send as a word of encouragement? Or can I actually pray with the person? A couple years ago, I was really convicted uh, just scrolling through Facebook and seeing people, I'll pray for you, I'll pray for you, I'll pray for you. And I messaged, I'll pray for you on the Facebook thing and then prayed. And I felt like God just spoke to my heart why don't you like just take a moment, write those words and send them to the person just so that they know and can read your prayer. And so that's what I started doing. I was like, this is my prayer for you, that you would have peace in the midst of this, that God's presence, whatever it is, that a way would be made where there isn't a way, whatever, whatever the prayer is. Or I'd send a little song, often a song. Practical. If you don't have the food or the money or the resources to give, what do you have? What do you have? Like Jesus asking the disciples when there's 5,000 of them sitting around looking for food and they're all hungry, Jesus says, well, what do we have? Well, we got some bread and we got a few fish. Nowhere near enough. Nowhere near enough. But with God and maybe, you know, a little bit of extra food or a little bit of extra time or a little bit of opportunity to maybe meet a new person a month. One family or person a month for the next 12 months and you would know 12 more people or families here or at work or in your neighborhood. A few years ago, I was talking about this to the church and that I used to be a part of and this a woman came to me several months later and she says, do you remember the sermon you talked about meeting one person or family a month? And I was like, nope. She said, because that happens when you talk a lot. I was like, no, I have no idea. I have no idea what that, like that's my practice is to try and connect with one new person or one couple or family a month. And so she said, I decided to do that, but not in the church. I decided to meet neighbors. 
And in this day and age, like this was about five or six years ago, in this day and age, the concept of neighborhood is sometimes lost. And so she reached out and invited a neighbor to coffee or picnic or dinner or whatever a month. And she met 12 of her neighbors in a year. And this was six months in, and I said, is it easy? She says, not at all. This is not my comfort zone. But sometimes we wrongly equate right with easy. And if it isn't easy, I must be doing something wrong. And that's not the truth. Because right is right. And it can be uncomfortable, and it can be awkward, and it can be uncertain, and I can step on your toes accidentally because I don't know the culture of your, your family. Even if we're both born and raised in Canada, there's so many different ways and expressions. Never mind when we get to our multicultural, I can easily offend, and I don't ever intend to. Easy isn't right. And this costs us something. To be faith in action, it costs us something. Inside the walls, inside here, I'm gonna, at the end of the service, introduce our life group leaders that we currently have and talk about that just a little bit more. But inside here, when we gather here on Sunday, it takes people we have pro-presenter people. I think it's John Swan is up there right now. We have lighting people. We have camera people. We have worship people. We have hospitality people. And once we get the coffee up and running and all of that stuff, we have Kid Zone. Next week, we do hope to launch Kid Zone downstairs, but we only have enough volunteers for two age groups. Being here. It takes people. It takes volunteers. It costs that. And one of the things that we can fall into is, and I'm not saying this to be critical, mean, or anything. We can slip into a consumer feeling. Like, if I don't like what you're saying, I can just find a different podcast or go to another church. And part of this community, part of our faith in action is serving together. We need more people on ProPresenter. We need more people to operate cameras. And that might sound scary, but they really do a good job of showing you how to do it. And we won't throw you in the deep end of, you know, you and you alone are teaching preschool next week. Here's 10 toddlers. If that sounds exciting to you, please. <laughs> Find Megan after the service. We need volunteers. We need volunteers. Would you consider offering some time in that practical way? Because this is a place of presence and we are gathering and experiencing great times in God's presence. It takes volunteers to do that. I see B, who is currently a uh, ushering, greeting, she didn't hear me say her name, um, but she's tending and caring for the hospitality today. 
We need volunteers in that way. We also have the life groups, which I'm gonna introduce at the end, and that is a point of connection and a point of offering practical connection to one another. In the smaller groups, it's easier to know the needs. It's easier to see when people aren't here. It's easier to be aware of, oh, I haven't seen you in a bit. How's it going? Do you need some help? Do you need some support? Whatever it would be. Life groups are a great place to connect in small ways. And faith in action is present. As I say that, there are people here that <laughs> will jump into volunteering everywhere. And my thing is to say, don't overload life. Because along with our faith being generous, it also needs to be practical and it needs to be present. It needs to be present. Life needs to be slow enough that we have the opportunity to connect. There needs to be some rhythms and space to get to know one another and to serve here and to connect. Pray before you volunteer. Pray before you connect. Pray before you decide what life group and then trust that God is leading you in the ways that will be fruitful in this season. The third point this morning is that action is generous and powerful. It's generous and powerful. James chapter two, verses 25 and 26, uh, continues this demonstration and evidence of the faith being faith and action. And it says this, Rahab the prostitute is another example. Now, I'm just gonna pause here. A couple years ago, this is the funniest thing. So Rahab, the story of Rahab is in Joshua, and she is a prostitute, was a prostitute, and she hid spies that had come into the promised land to like spy out the land. And so the story of Rahab is that she hid the people of God as they were coming to explore the land. And that took faith because it was a risk. Now, a couple years ago at a vacation Bible school, I was teaching on Rahab and I didn't think anything of it. I didn't say the word prostitute. I just said that, you know, Rahab hid the spies, blah, 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 glossed over that. Kids, you know. This little boy puts up his hand on the front row, maybe six, maybe seven. What did Rahab do? Like, what was her job? And I was like, without missing a beat, you know what came out of my mouth? She really liked people. <laughs> she just really liked people. We left it at that. Like, there's no age appropriate way of discussing prostitution. So Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. James just kind of like chat, 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 hammer, chat, 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 hammer. This hammer is just as the body is dead without breath, so is faith without works. It's just another angle to highlight the importance. Show me your faith by your good works. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also is faith dead without good works. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, again, this isn't on the pro presenter. It says, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Faith in action is powerful. 
Jesus says here, let your good deeds shine out before all men so that they may praise your Father in heaven. Our faith in action, our life lived in obedience to Christ, our life lived generously towards the community of faith and the community around us in love and in service and in kindness is powerful. It's so powerful that people can see it and what? Praise God in heaven. Faith in action has the power to convince people of faith, of God. It's so powerful. I had um, a short season of working at Starbucks, and by short I mean three years, so that's not that short. And when I was hired, my manager said, no, uh, my, my resume reads like church girl. From a very young age. And the reason I was going to work at Starbucks is because in the middle of the sermon one day, I was talking about being salt and light, and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, you have no idea what you're talking about. Because you're church girl. You literally started working at 16 in the church and that's what you've done with a short stint in an after school program. And so I felt like the Holy Spirit said, go work somewhere, like Starbucks. And so I did. I didn't drink coffee. I still don't drink coffee. I think it's gross. Um, but I, oh sorry, Oof. I heard that. I felt that. That was a visceral, oh. I just, I just went down a few notches in some of your opinions. I, I feel it. I'm okay with it. Um, so I, I'm in the interview and the manager says, no talking about Jesus. This isn't your like evangelism spot. No talking about church, because I was a pastor of the church in Powell River. No talking about Jesus. That's not what this is for. And I was like, good. I said, if they ask, can I answer? And she said, yes, but not on work time. Not with the green apron, no. Fine. So I just prayed every day, God, this is my life on mission. Just help me be there for my coworkers, the people that go through every day, whatever it is. And um, there was this one person that came through. I had a regular shift in the morning. This one person came through every day. Grande caramel macchiato and a blueberry scone. They don't even, I don't think they have blueberry scones anymore. Every day, he got the same thing. Three mornings of the week, I was working the drive-through, and I got to know him over the course of the interaction that you have, the few minutes of awkward conversation that you make at the window. I was not awkward. I know how to read the room. But he liked talking, and so I would just connect and chat and connect and chat and connect and chat, and I knew who he was. I knew what he did. I knew he had experienced um, burnout. Right, and he was in the season of healing from um, burnout. He was a social worker, talking over months, months and months, handing him his blueberry scone and his caramel macchiato. Months, months, months of establishing relationship and connection. One day at the window, he says to me, he won't be there next week because his mom died and he has to go out of town to do the funeral and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, I am so sorry. I will be praying for you. And that's the extent of what I said. And he said, are you a Christian? <laughs> I, yes. I don't know what to say to that sometimes because are you gonna shut down if I say yes? So he says, I knew it. <laughs> How? How did you know? And he said, 
your face, when you smile, just radiates joy. More joy than one person can conjure working at Starbucks. <laughs> it's like, okay. So you, he says, you draw from a spiritual source of some kind. I knew it. I knew it. And I said, are you a Christian? And he said, nope. But over the course of the years that I worked there, he started asking more and more and more questions. And one day he comes through and he says to me, psst, he's in the store, psst. And I was like, he's like, come over here. And I was like, okay. And he says, I did it. I was like, you did what? He's like, I became a Christian. And I was like, why? <laughs> and then I was like, wrong question, how? And he's like, you made it look like something I wanted to do. It didn't have to be you're a sinful person. This was years of relationship built, of smiling, of caring, of asking how the funeral went, of remembering the details of his life, of remembering all of these things as I hand over a caramel macchiato and a blueberry scone three times a week. It was time spent just connecting in this small way. Faith in action is powerful. When we care for people, when we demonstrate kindness to people, it is powerful and it is generous. It is a generous thing and it's practical and it's present. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come back up and... Um, I just want to reiterate that part of rediscovering church is appreciating that our faith is evidenced by action towards the community inside and outside these walls. If you want to volunteer, there's more information on our website. And now before we go into communion, I just want to, and this is like a weird shift, but I want to invite our life group leaders, and I'm going to announce their names, and if they're here, I've already let them know that this is gonna happen. I'm gonna invite them to stand up, because sometimes when we approach the website, you don't know these people, and some of them aren't here today. But if you're looking for a place, a smaller group to connect with, we have these life groups. I don't know if Brad and Lindsay are here. Brad and Lindsay, are you here? Okay, I'm just gonna get them to stand where they are so that you can see them. So Brad and Lindsay are starting a life group. Um, it's gonna be bi-weekly on Wednesday nights. And um, they're gonna do some worship and Bible study and just simple connection and prayer and care for one another. So Brad and Lindsay are back there. Mark and Lindsay couldn't be here today. Um, they sent their regards and their information is on the website. They're looking at doing a book or Bible study based on the interests of the group. And there's um, all the information for when and, and how frequently. Uh, so they're not here this morning. Mark and Aaron Caldwell, I, don't, I didn't see them today. Uh, they have very little space left in their group, as well as Greg and Stephanie Baker. They have very, very little space left in their group. I don't know if the Bakers are here today either. Oh, there's Stephanie. Um, so if you want to talk to Stephanie after the service, she's there. Um, Keaton and Gabrielle and Mike and Rose are starting a life group out in Maple Ridge. So you need to know that about that. But if you want to talk to them, it's a bi-weekly life group on Monday nights. 
um, talk to them after the service. Doug Weeb has an online men's group. There's Doug. Um, Jasmine Dolotov is in the nursery today, um, but she is available to talk to you after the service. I can identify her if she comes in um, in the next few minutes. She leads a women's life group on Friday mornings. That's available. Um, there's a young adults life group on Monday nights, every Monday night, and Jonathan, LaShawn Renee <laughs> is right behind me, uh, and Michael and Karison are over there, and Gazale is right here, and they are available to talk to for young adults. Susie Wang leads a um, mom's group. Um, it's in Mandarin, and so if you have any interest in that, uh, please talk to Susie after the service, and Juliet. Juliet, are you here? Back there. there. Juliet is yet to determine a time, um, but she's going to be facilitating a life group on Relationships 101, and it's gonna be material around connection and and relationships, um, basic principles of that. Um, So those are our life group and our leaders that are here. We have a few others that are full that have been running for years, um, but yeah. And we will have more as we develop. There are a few that are in the works that we're just still figuring out. So that was a little bit of a clumsy ending, but clumsy's fine. I wanted to point out these people and make sure that if you're looking for community and you're looking for connection, I'm encouraging you to reach out, to get plugged in in a life group, to join us in volunteering on Sundays, to be part of this community and to be part of the community around us. We're gonna participate in communion after we, we sing the song in response. And this song is about worthy of every song I could ever sing and breath I could ever breathe. And it's about just putting our heart before God and give it, asking him to give us a heart like he has. And after we hear this message and read James and think about faith in action, it can be like a bit overwhelming. And I wanted to take a few minutes before we receive communion to ask the Lord to speak to us personally in all of that, in all of the things, in all of the options, in all of the avenues, in all of the words that were shared this morning. God, what are you saying to my heart in this season? What are you saying to my family, my my marriage, whatever it would be, God? What is my life in action, in, in evidence?